Uh, lately, the last, the last few weeks, we've been doing a series on hearing God's voice. And so what does that look like in our lives? And just, uh, we've had some good series. And so this morning is going to be a continuation of that. Uh, we're going to be, you know, we're going to be looking at hearing God's voice, but we're also going to have a little bit of a Christmas theme because is it just me or how many people are excited for Christmas? Woo! It's going to be good. I, uh, I can't wait. Um, two weeks away, get to see family and and it's going to be a really, really neat time. It's good Christmas, but, you know, I just, as we think of Christmas, you know, we think of Jesus, we think of the manger, we think of Mary, uh, we think of wise men and shepherds. And so the focus, though, this morning is going to be on someone that, that isn't always necessarily talked about, but has a really deep and rich impact uh, on the Christmas story. And so we're going to be looking at Joseph, um, Mary's husband and, and Jesus's earthly father. And so we're going to be looking at him and and Joseph was a man who resembled the heart and the characteristics of the Lord. And he also listened to the voice of the Lord and was greatly blessed because of it. And so just continuing hearing God's voice, we're going to be looking at the life that he lived. And so um, the last time I, I spoke to you guys, I, I had a snowball story of me and my brother. And just in honor of Christmas season, I have one more. Uh, for, for those who know, Caleb Esborg, my older brother, he spoke at junior high camp. And so I will say this, my brother is one of the most loving, gentle, gracious people that I've ever known. Uh, 99.9% of the time, he has just shown me grace and favor. I once dropped an 80-pound dumbbell on his toe while working out. And yeah, imagine the pain. And he was very nice about it. I probably would have punched him. So, uh, But this is one of those moments, one of those stories that this is 8-year-old Caleb and not 25-year-old Caleb. So Caleb's uh, grace tank was a little low. And so we're having this snowball fight at my grandma's house. And it's freezing. You know, I mean, there's snow outside. There's a little pond where there's ice everywhere. And so it's one of those things where we're shaking as we're throwing the snowballs. And so I'm losing because obviously I'm little and so desperate for a good come back, I just pick up this, this snowball. And to be honest, it was a little hard. So it might have been questionable on to whether or not to throw it, maybe a little bit icy. You know, would it be snowball regulation? Probably not. And so I pick it up anyway, and I just chuck it. And I remember the look on my brother's face. You know, I don't know uh, for those who have older siblings or parents, but you all know the look where it's the you're dead. Like, I am going to ruin you. And so he just gives me that, like, just blanket stare. And I remember just being immediately filled with fear. And what I didn't know, had I known now, I never would have thrown the snowball. But what I thought was maybe a little icy happened to actually be a rock in the snowball. So my brother is just, just filled with rage. And so I kid you not, the little pond that I was talking about where there's little ice and frost all around it, my brother grabs me and just shoves my head in the pond. And so he is holding like my head head first at this point. I can't hold my breath for more than four seconds. And so I'm also shaking and, and just, you know, filled with just Filled with fear. And my dad obviously runs out and has to break up the, you know, what is going on? And just, he's freaking out because I'm about to drown. And so um, one of the very few moments where me and my brother <laughs> had a little bit of a disagreement, and it's safe to say that I never threw a rock at my brother again. Um, but the point of the story is this, is that so often in our lives when we get hurt, when we get wronged by someone, our first gut reaction is to go out and get what we feel we deserve. It's about, I get hurt, I'm going to hurt someone else, or I get hurt, I get wronged, and so I feel entitled to get what I deserve, to get this revenge or this justice. And yet Jesus came to earth to have a totally different mentality. And the world would tell us it's an eye for an eye culture. You know, you get what you deserve. Jesus is saying, no, 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 I want something totally different for you. Instead of an eye for an eye, I'm actually calling you to live. It's, it, instead of... 
eye for an eye. It's, it's a cheek for a cheek. Turn the other cheek when someone hurts you. And so uh, Matthew 5, 38 through 42, if you guys have Bibles, open that up. And we're going to look at the scripture today. Uh, this verse says, you have also heard the law that says the punishment must match the inquiry. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say, do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, Offer the other side as also. If you are sued in court and your shirt is taken from you, give your coat too. And if a soldier demands you to carry his gear for a mile, carry it too. Give to those who ask and don't turn away from those who want to borrow. So instead of an eye for an eye, Jesus is calling us to live in which we would be willing to turn the other cheek. And, And what I'm saying by this is I'm not saying to just be weak, watered down Christians or let people just abuse us and run over us. But what I am saying is that when somebody hurts us, when somebody wrongs us, that our first reaction would be all about grace and mercy. And it wouldn't be about anger and punishment. It wouldn't be about getting what I deserve. And so the question um, I'm sure you guys are wondering is, what does this have to do with Joseph? And yet, as we look, we're going to look in the scripture, and Joseph was a man that was so full of grace and mercy that he resembled the heart of Jesus. And in regards to hearing his voice, we need to understand the characteristics and the heart of our God and thus be about the things that our God is about. If you guys have your Bibles again, we're going to flip a little bit, just a couple chapters before at Matthew 1, 18 through 25. We're going to look at the Christmas story. This is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, that while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through the prophet, Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until she was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. Now, obviously, something that I want to clarify is that Mary did nothing wrong. Mary was faithful to Jesus. Mary was faithful to the Lord and to Joseph. But I will say this, that when you're Joseph and your fiance is both a virgin and pregnant, obviously something doesn't add up in the mind. Obviously, you know, something, he's a little confused. And so I'm sure in this moment that Joseph is just, is just feeling hurt, is just feeling betrayed by somebody that obviously he cared about. And in the moments of just pain, he had a heart of just wanting to have grace and mercy extended. And in those times that the punishment for adultery, it was quite serious. In fact, a couple, you know, books later in the gospel, there's a story where a woman who was caught in the act of adultery, the Pharisees bring to Jesus. And the Pharisees are trying to trick him up and they're saying, hey, look, in the laws of Moses, this woman would be stoned. What do we do? And trying to trick Jesus up and Jesus in this moment just you know, writes in the sand, just bends down and writes in the sand, and and, and they're confused. They're like, what is he doing? And so eventually they're like, okay, do we get to stone her or not, (laughs) basically? And Jesus is like, yes, but he who has not sinned, throw the first stone. And so in this moment, we see people just one by one leave because they realize that none of us are perfect. And the point of that, though, is basically just the times in which they lived, that adultery was something taken very seriously of. That, that Mary's reputation, that Mary's life, and all these things were basically at stake. And in a moment of just feeling intense pain, 
Joseph could have gone the, the human flesh reaction to just shame her or disgrace her. And yet in the moment of just feeling this pain, he just seeks out to give her grace. And that we're going to look at uh, James 1, 19 through 20, which says, Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. That human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. And I think what is an important part of hearing God's voice is knowing and understanding the heart and the characteristics of God. And then thus simply being about the things that Jesus is about. Because when something happens to you, good or bad, and you are about the things that Jesus is about, you begin to reflect the heart and the nature of Jesus. And in the midst of confusion and pain, Joseph decided to act in love. Because it was not about a justified reaction, but rather it was about a Christ-like reaction. And in this Christ-like reaction, it was one that demonstrated the heart of the Father. For those who don't know, um, when I was four, my parents got divorced. And to be honest, it was, it was pretty messy. But the way that I handled it was I kind of went through seasons. That there would be a season where I didn't really think anything of it. It was just kind of whatever, it, I guess it happens, I go back and forth. And then there were seasons where I would just get really kind of mad and bitter about it. And then there were seasons I just became really depressed and sad and had these insecurities. And so, to be honest, I kind of had a, a camp tradition where I would go to camp, I would bawl my eyes out, and I would think that I was, you know, I would think I was totally free. I think I was good. Um, you know, and, I, and a random, random side note, um, in those camps, I had friends that in the moments of pain, in the moments of tears, I had friends that were with me in the trenches, friends that were with me through, through the pain. And I just would encourage you guys and say this, that we all need a friend like that that we all need a friend to be there with you in the trenches. Through the good in life, obviously, friends are plentiful. But when life is hard and when you need someone to be there for you, we need that friend. That obviously Jesus is there for us like that, but we need someone on earth to help us partner through life together. And so as I'm, you know, I would just cry and I would come back and I would think I was fine, yet I would realize that I found myself in a routine. And I remember my senior year, things finally became different. And I remember worshiping to Jesus, and I remember Jesus said something that I did not want him to say. I felt like Jesus said, Daniel, you need to go tell your mom that I, that, that I forgive you. And I was like, here's what we're going to do, Jesus. Counteroffer. I'm going to keep worshiping, and I'm going to pretend you didn't say that. And so, and that's what I do. I literally am like, nope, no, I'm good, I'm good. I'm, and, I, and I keep worshiping because I just pretend he didn't say that. And when, Je- when you try to tell Jesus that you didn't hear him, he's going to continue to speak louder. And so he says the same thing. He's like, Daniel, go tell your mom that I forgive you. And I remember, to be honest, I had this moment where I just was, was angry and I was wrestling with God because I had this thing that I did not want, but it was entitlement. And I will say this, that I became comfortable in my own bitterness. And that is something that you never want to be at. That is not a place that is healthy. That is not a place where fruit can grow. And so I remember over the years, I remember being, I, I remember being angry because I remember thinking, in all these years, I never got a sincere apology. I never got a, hey, sorry I wrecked your family. Hey, sorry I did this. I, and so for me, I remember thinking, no, 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 no. It's got to be the other way around, that she's got to come to me. She's got to apologize. And once that happens, then, yeah, sure, maybe I'll forgive her. And I remember at this moment, Jesus said something that I'll never forget. And to be honest, it changed my life. And Jesus said, Daniel, in those 14 years, how many times have you told your mom that you forgive her? And I remember it was one of those, like, Jesus just mic dropped, you know, in my heart. And I, like, at that point, there was really nothing I could do, nothing I could say. Other than, all right, all right, 
And so I remember coming back home and being like, Mom, we need to talk. And I just had this conversation of just wanting her to know what grace meant and wanting to know that, hey, I want a fresh start, that the last 15 don't affect the next 15, that there has to be grace. But here's the thing. The moment of healing came in my heart when I let go of bitterness and pride, and I chose love and grace instead. And yet, so we look at Joseph, and we look at the life that he lived, and yet in this moment where he just became so hurt and so wronged, it would have been so easy to choose the alternative. It would have been so easy to say, I'm going to be angry, I'm going to be bitter, I'm going to be prideful, and I'm going to hold on to this. Yet in a moment of just being hurt, he chose to have love and grace and mercy. And, 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 and the fruit of that, because he started to resemble the, the heart of God in that moment, that, you know, and, and the importance of that, that, that in a moment he chose the higher road. And so in order for us to hear God's voice, we must understand the heart and the characteristics of our Father and thus reflect the heart and nature of our God because this is, this is spiritual prep work for God to speak to us. That when we are in tune with the Spirit, it creates space for the Lord to work and speak directly in our lives. And then once he does speak, we must be at a place willing and able to receive the word that God had spoken. But I will say this, that if Joseph had, had decided to let anger seep in and not be willing to hear anything from God, I don't think when God tried to speak to him, he would have been able to listen. And so in order to really want to hear the voice of God, he had to strive to reflect the heart and the nature of our God. And once he did, once he chose to have the heart of our Father, that's when the Lord was able to come in and speak, and he was so much more able and willing to understand what the voice was saying. And so the second point this morning is that Joseph did everything that was asked of him that he had an obedient heart that not only heard the voice of the Lord, but it also had a responsive heart, that there was action that followed, and just the importance of action. And here's the thing, that in the moment we, we look at the end of that, that passage in Matthew 1, that we look at when the angel spoke to, to Joseph and said, hey, look, like this is, this is of the Holy Spirit, this is of me, you need to take her as your wife, because this is of God, and you need to name him, Joseph, you need to name him Jesus. And, and, and in this moment where he's speaking, that Joseph just needed to be reaffirmed, I think. You know, when Joseph was hurt, when Joseph was feeling betrayed, he just needed the Lord to come beside him and say, everything's going to be okay, and this is why. And I think in our own lives, there's so many moments where, where maybe we're hurt or we're wronged or something happens, and we just need Jesus to come in and reaffirm us. And we just need Jesus to tell us, like, hey, like, I am with you. I am with you always. But first, he needed to be willing to listen. And, and I think so often we, we want God to speak but sometimes we're not willing to listen. You know, even going way back to, again, my senior year in camp, like I think there, I wanted to be healed. I wanted these moments. But then when God actually spoke, was I, was I wanting to listen to what he said? And so just knowing that we have to prep our heart for God to speak, but then once we do, once we do prep our heart for God to speak, we need to be willing to listen and do what he says. And so just thinking uh, just into the morning, I have two questions for you guys. And just the first question regarding this is that are you listening to the voice of the Lord in your life? And this requires us to stop what we're doing and to start listening. So often we just we get caught up in the nature of life, the busy, busy, busy. And yet God is wanting us to speak, but we're not necessarily like listening because we're going, we're going, we're saying, we're saying. And yet sometimes in the, in the, in the craziness and the chaos of life that we got to stop what we're doing and just sit in his presence. Mark 4, 24 through 25, then he added, pay close attention to what you hear. The closer you listen, the more understanding you will be given, and the, you will receive even more. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. But for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. 
Um, I would say this, you know, through the years of being at this amazing church, summer camps are great. And I'll just say the summer camp games are just intense. I, I know, you know, students get into it, but counselors are even crazier. You know, we got Alex Coffer in the back and just story after story of camps. But I remember this one camp I particularly wanted to win. And so we had a simple game. It was, there's a bunch of yoga balls and sports balls and medicine balls and things in the middle. There's an outer ring of people. And when the whistle blows, you run up, you grab as much as you can, and you put it back to your side. Simple, right? No one should be able to mess that up. <laughs> oh, wait. And so round, we had three rounds. Round one was everybody go. Round two was girls only go. And round three was guys only but the problem is, by the time they were explaining the rounds, I had already tapped out. I was like, I got this. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get it. And so the first round goes, and everything's fine. And so the second round, I'm particularly jacked up. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get this. Like, I'm going to win. Like, we need to, you know, Team Black's got to get more points on the board. And so as everybody, as all of the dudes basically take a step back, like, I'm the guy that's like, all right, let's go, let's go. And so the whistle blows, and I just book it. And so I get to the pile first, but not only do I just... You know, the yoga balls were worth extra, so I'm going for the yoga ball. But not only do I just grab the yoga ball and come back, I grab a yoga ball, put my shoulder down, and blow up the pile. Just truck stick it as hard as I can. And then at this point, I grab a ball. I almost hit someone in the face. I'm like, my bad. And I, like, hurdle them. And I'm running back because I'm like, you know, let's go, let's go. And at this moment, I just hear, Daniel. And I don't listen. Daniel. And I hear one last time, Daniel, it's girls only. And I just, I stop what I'm doing. I'm like in the middle of the circle. I see an entire ring of dudes that are just like, what is this kid's problem? And then I see like all of the girls that are like, what is this guy's problem? And so in this moment of just like, hmm, I just like, they're like, throw it back, throw it back. And I, I don't want to throw it back. I'm like, I've earned this yoga ball. And so... I do. I do the right thing. I throw it back, and luckily our own teammate catches and runs. But it was one of the, so I, we, still got, we still got the points. Still got the points. Um, and so in, in a moment where all I needed to do was stop and listen, <laughs> it was embarrassing. I'm not going to lie. It was, it was rough. It was rough. I got judged. Um, and, and in this moment of just... Just what would have been so simple to just stop and pay attention. Very simple rules. And yet I missed something huge because I refused to stop what I was doing and just rest. And I think so often in our lives, like, we get caught up in the craziness of life. We get caught up, and, and we're going, we're going, we're going. And, and the Lord just wants to speak just something simple or just something encouraging, something life-giving. The Lord wants to speak to us, and yet we're caught up going, 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 that we miss out on it entirely because we, we forget to stop what we're doing, and we forget to just listen to the voice that's telling us what to do. Psalms 46.10 uh, just simply says, Be still and know that I am God. And I just think it's such a good reminder that in, in the craziness of life, that, that in the moments... We just need to stop and rest in his presence. And I think that's one of the biggest things in terms of hearing the voice of God is that sometimes we get caught up in this very busy nature of things. You know, we got sports, we got school, we got friends, we got um, all these different things that we enjoy. And so we, we're caught up in just the, the running of tasks. And yet when we just stop and rest in his presence, that's where the Lord wants to speak. So the next question that I have for you guys is that once we hear his voice, what is our response? That is there action that follows? 
that James 1.22 says, but don't listen to God's word. You must do what it says, otherwise you're fooling yourself. That if once we hear it, then what is our response? That Romans 2.13 says, for merely listening to the law doesn't make us right with God. It is obeying the law that makes us right. That yes, we are a people that are completely saved by grace. That it's not about works and deeds. It's not about actions that get us up into heaven. Like, I am all for that. But at the same time, there's moments in our faith where God is calling us into action. That yes, you believe in me. What's the next step? That if you look through the Gospels, Jesus is constantly challenging people to take the next step. To not just believe, but have action. And so in our own lives, that when God speaks, there's got to be an action that follows. That he's constantly calling us into action. And so taking it back to Joseph, the thing that was so important about him is that he readied his heart for God to speak. And when God spoke, he did exactly what was asked of him. That when God said, take Mary as your wife, he took Mary as his wife. And he loved and guarded his family the entire time. That every time an angel of the Lord spoke and said, Joseph, this is what you need to do. He did exactly what was asked of him. And in, our, and in this life that we can just see the blessings that were followed. We can see what a gift Mary was and what, what a gift Jesus was and all these things. Because he did what was asked of him when he listened to the voice of God. And the, and the last thing really quick is just that the last point is Joseph was a great steward of the gifts that God gave him. That Matthew 2, 13 through 15 says that after the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, flee to Egypt with the child and the mother, the angel said. Stay there until I tell you to return because Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. Um, I don't have a whole lot of time necessarily to get really deep into that, but basically King Herod was this, he wanted to kill Jesus. That even when the wise men came and worshipped, he was like, hey, when you do, come back and tell me where he is so I can worship him too. Not really, he wanted to kill him. And so in this moment, though, that it would have been very easy to just be like, eh, I don't want to go to Egypt. Um, and yet he did. Again, constantly, he did the things that was asked. And so by listening to the voice of God, he was able to steward the gifts that God gave him. That Mary and Jesus were a treasured gift from God. And Joseph, realizing what a great gift it was, stewarded them so well by listening to the voice of the Lord. And, and, and the thing is in our own lives that, that God has given us all amazing gifts. That what I'm gifted at is different than what you're gifted at. And there's, we have these own talents. We have these things. And so the purpose of these gifts is to bring God glory. And so we need to steward them and honor them. And, and one of the ways that we steward them is by we listening to the voice of the Lord in our lives. That when he speaks to us regarding these gifts or when he speaks to us regarding these things that we do as God would say. That the purpose of our gifts is to continually bring glory to God our Father. Um, if the worship team wants to, to come back, you can make your way up. And, and so as we look through, we can see that Joseph was a man who reflected the heart of the Father. That he listened to God's voice and there was action that followed. And by having that action, he stewarded the gifts that God gave him. And so just I would encourage you guys this this morning is that as we enter into the Christmas season, we have the festivities, we have the lights, we have the traditions, and all of those things are amazing. They are. I love it. I can't wait uh, to go to Leavenworth. I can't wait to do all these things. But, but what matters most this Christmas season is it's about Jesus. It's about him coming down. It's about him being this amazing gift that, that, that gave us a grace and mercy that was undeserved, that was scandalous. And, and, and so this morning, I would just say that as we enter into the Christmas season, it, that it would just all point back to Jesus and that we would have the heart and the nature of Jesus, that we would want to reflect the heart of the Father. And so in, in hearing God's voice, we got to understand the characteristics of our, of our Father because we got to know the heart in order for him to speak. 
And so I would just just say this, that, that we would strive to be a people that give love and grace and mercy, whether, whether it's easy or whether it's hard, and that we would just, with everything that we do, just stop in the moments where God wants to speak to us. And once we hear God's voice, that we would be willing to have that action that follows. Jesus, God, we thank you for all that you've done. God, we thank you for the Christmas story. We thank you for the miracle that, that you are. And God, we, we love you. We cherish the gift. And more importantly, we cherish the giver. So God, we thank you for all that you've done. And we want to worship you. We want to celebrate you. And we want to reflect and strive to have the heart of the Father. We love you. We praise you.